Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson. In today's study of Isaiah, we're going to be looking at man's humiliation, but God's exaltation. So today's readings are going to come from the ESV, but I'm not going to read the whole passage today because we are studying through Isaiah 2, 12 through 22, so it would take a little bit. However, I encourage you to open your Bible, go to this passage, and follow along. Um, That is one of the most important things you can do to understand this podcast better and to get more out of it is by opening your Bible and following along. Um, So one thing that I want to start doing is giving a synopsis of this episode. That way, if you come away with anything, you can get a general idea of what this episode is about. So my synopsis for today is prideful man is taken down by God who is due all glory. God not only gets glory in humiliating prideful man, but in raising up sinful men through the redeeming blood of Christ. So we're going to flesh that out a little bit as we study through today. So first we're going to look at the pride of man brought low and the glory of God shown. So God shows his supremacy over all things in this passage. So first, look at what he calls himself, Lord of hosts. So this is very easy to look over. We don't, especially with names of God, we just view them as interchangeable with God, which in a sense they are. However, they are all given intentionally. So why did God use the name Lord of hosts? So Israel knew a lot about armies, and so because they faced them a lot, they were beaten by a lot of armies in their history, and so God uses the title of Lord of hosts to show that he is more powerful than armies. He controls all armies, and he has control of angel armies. So God clearly is not scared by armies on earth. We think of even the U.S. Army. That is a powerful army. However, God makes it look tiny compared to his great strength. Next, we see Cedars of Lebanon. So these were like really cool trees. Like these were used in the temple, Solomon's temple. So these aren't just like any trees. Like these are some cool, they're fancy trees. Like this is fancy wood. If you got cedars of Lebanon, like you're living high on the hog, okay? Like this is, that's good living if you got the cedars of Lebanon. So that's not only, like they're not only big trees, but they're also like rich people trees. So that's, they're not only power, but wealth in that. And so next we see Oaks of Bashan. So a modern day equivalent would be the Redwood Forest. So Oaks of Bashan, I'm not sure if there was as much wealth connotation here, just as big. Like these are some big trees, okay? These things like, like you think of the Redwood Forest, those are some big old trees. Oaks of Bashan is a equivalent from Old Testament times. So next we see lofty mountains and uplifted hills. So these ones are pretty obvious, you know, hills, mountains, you look up to them. Um, But God shows that he has supremacy over that. He is better than those. And he actually uses that to talk about Zion. I think we talked about that in the last episode, and if we didn't, it was pretty recently. Um, God would lift up Mount Zion because he would use mountains for what he wanted to glorify. Mountains wouldn't glorify just whatever. They'd glorify exactly what God wanted them to glorify. So God lifts them up and he brings them down. And that is 
easy to say, but think about that. Lifting up mountains, taking them down, that is massive. Um, next, we look at fortified walls. So, we might not be too overwhelmed by this, but remember Jericho, okay? They had some big fortified walls. They aren't around anymore. Just in case you don't know the story, you won't find the walls of Jericho anymore because God took them down, literally single-handedly. <laughs> um, we look at the ships of Tarshish. Tarshish, I think I'm saying that right. Um, those would have been cool, like big, strong naval fleets. Um, you think of Britain's navy, which not as big or, well, I mean, it's stronger now, but it used to be like the biggest fleet on the seas. But that's kind of like what the ships of Tarshish, tongue twister, would be like. Um, but God was stronger than that. So not only did he have supremacy over armies on land, he had supremacy over ships on sea. And so he also says he con has control over beautiful craft. So this has a bit of financial prosperity connotations to it. So we see that God is sovereign and is more powerful than all things. And he gives some really cool things to show that he is more powerful than those. So next we're going to look at man's pride. Man in his sin is in direct defiance to God's reign. We pridefully think that we can be our own masters. That is foolish and sinful. When we do that, we attempt to be God. Satan can tell you, rebelling against God just doesn't work. Man in his sin can't look to God without terror. When we don't know God as our father, we know him as the judge of our sins. That is a terrifying thing. Um, I forget what passage in the Bible it talks about, but it says, fear has to do with punishment. And indeed, when we are not pardoned from the wrath of God by Jesus, we have a lot to be afraid of. So when we don't have Jesus hiding us from God's punishment, God's wrath, we can't help. But as Isaiah 2.19 says, enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. We can't help but hide. That is the only sane reaction we can have to God's justice. So next we're going to look at God's regard for man through Jesus. So notice what Isaiah calls on God to do. To stop regarding man. This is a little bit striking. Think about that. He's telling God to stop regarding his own race. So Isaiah calls on God to do this because that would be a perfectly just thing to do. God in his holiness cannot tolerate sin, so he would be completely just and righteous to simply kill all of humanity who rebelled against him. That would be completely just and righteous of God to do. However, that's not what God does. God sent us Jesus, who took on humanity to make a way for all to be saved. Not only did God God didn't just put us out of our misery. He made a way that we could be his family, even though we sinned against him, even though we did the equivalent of spitting in his face, the God of the universe. We spat in his face, and you know what he did? He gave us his name through Jesus. That is incredible. 
Jesus is the reason we don't have to be in terror on Judgment Day because we have been bought by Christ. So Jesus is not only Savior, however, but he's also Judge. This passage is speaking to Christ's second return for the millennium reign. When Christ returns, if we aren't bought by his blood, then the only proper response is to run. There will be no more sin in the world for two reasons. One is because he sanctified believers by the Holy Spirit, and the other is because Jesus sent unbelievers to eternal damnation. So which will you be? Will you be saved by Christ? Will you believe in him as the Son of God? Or will you face his judgment? So going back to our synopsis, I'm going to close with this. Prideful man is taken down by God, who is due all glory. God not only gets glory in humiliating prideful man, but in raising up sinful men through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, AdoptedBelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers.